This is the murderer you know. Okay. Okay. Well, I was excited because the bird buddy, which we probably haven't mentioned before, but I got my dad a bird buddy. It's one of those little bird feeders with a camera that takes pictures of birds. And I got all excited because a couple of minutes ago, it said that we had a dark eyed junco. I know. Which was really just what? A tufted titmouse with eye bags or something? It was just another tufted titmouse. I don't know why it gets so confused. I mean, I would imagine a slate colored junco is similar in appearance to a titmouse, except it doesn't have the crest. Yeah, but sometimes those little titmice have their crest flattened down. Oh, they got a little hair gel. They got a haircut. Slicked back. (laughs) Yeah, I was excited too. And then I thought, just another titmouse. Not that I don't mind getting pictures of titmice, but I do like, I love them. Actually, I was showing a picture of, of one of them, one of the bird buddy photos to somebody who works in a bird store. And they were like, oh, I love titmice. They have such intelligent expressions. Unless they look like they're yelling at the other birds. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the funniest thing ever. I wish that why why did the video stop? I don't know. I guess it records for a certain period of time, but a lot of times half of it there are no birds there. And then suddenly it starts recording and then boop, it's ended. All right. So hours of entertainment. But on to other subjects like murder. Not sponsored. Sponsor us, Bird Buddy. <laughs> do, do you think Bird Buddy would want to sponsor a murder podcast? Well, murderers Why need, not? Yeah, they need hobbies like all of us. <laughs> I like that you think the people buying the products touted on our podcast would be murderers. Oh, that's true. Most of them are just... <laughs> What, what do you call them? Fans of murder? Fans of true crime? <laughs> okay, well, drop drop the rock on my foot. We were discussing. Welcome back. <laughs> Episode 73. Wow, Is talk about possible? rushing. Talk about speeding bullet. Really? Yeah. Well, before we discuss what we were discussing... Let's discuss a couple of (laughs) things on your wall Uh before it falls. Before all is lost to the vacuum. (laughs) Or if it fell in my house to a little dog chewing it all up. I wish I had a kid so that they could authentically use the excuse my dog ate my homework. You know that my dog does that. Anything paper, cardboard. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I wish I had a kid. So that they could authentically use that excuse. He saw my badge, my work badge, sitting on the coffee table last night. Proud as pie, just walked up, took it off the table, (laughs) carried it over to his dog bed, and was about to start ripping. You know, why is it? Why is it? You know, because I'm always imagining dogs as just sort of somewhat more civilized wolves. And I think, you know, in the wild, wolves don't eat paper. And in our case, our dogs don't eat paper, but they eat all of our linens, our sheets, our pillows, our pillowcases. These dogs (laughs) obviously need some fiber. They need something. Maybe wolves get more fiber, (laughs) all the fur of dead things. And crunching on the bones and the gristle. You're right. (laughs) I think our dogs' diets are a little too refined, so they have to add some interest to it. Poor dogs. I'm going to start giving it's my dogs. living a lavish life. <laughs> I'm going to start throwing a haunch of reindeer to my dogs. <laughs> See if that takes care of their desire to eat all my duvet covers. Wow. Sorry about okay. your bad luck. <laughs> so back to our case. No. No, you were talking about my wall collapsing. I was talking about, tell us. (laughs) We both apparently looked into at least one of these things. So you tell us, what did you find out about U.S. Marshals? We already mentioned a couple of things last week, because I did want to talk about this homework last week. But last week, 
seemed like a lot of ground to cover already. Yes. Well, I didn't find out that much about U.S. Marshals, but I found out they're actually legal federal employees. I think I was confusing them with bounty hunters. You know, wasn't there a show about a bounty hunter? Just, dog. You know, oh, dog, the bounty hunter. Dog, the bounty hunter. <laughs> they just do it for rewards, like somebody... Right. Like a bail jumper, the bail company will say, hey, find this guy and get my bail money back. So these guys are federal agents and they don't wear big hats like the Texas Rangers. And what did you say? I think we were talking about this. You said they're like the oldest. I said they are the oldest federal law enforcement agency and they were created in 1789. And they're responsible for ensuring the effective operation of the judiciary and the integrity of our constitution. Hmm. Yeah, because they date back to that time, basically. And here are two really interesting things about them. First of all, heard of a little thing called... Witness protection? I have. These people, that is the majority (laughs) of their job, apparently. They do other things, but that is the big bulk of what they do. So if somebody is testifying against the mob, they keep them in a safe house Mm -hmm. until they they get to court. Oh, interesting. Well, they sound fascinating. I tell you what, let's let's change the whole focus of our podcast. It will no longer be the murder you know. (laughs) The federal marshal you don't know. I feel like there would be a lot of cases to cover because apparently here's another fun thing I found out about them. They are responsible for 55.2% of federal fugitive arrests. What do you have to do to become a federal fugitive? I don't know. See, we take one thing off the wall and we just add <laughs> and something we just back. Stick something else. Yeah. Maybe you have to cross a, a state line or something. This says when you flee to another state or country with the intent to do the following, try to avoid prosecution or prison for a felony or attempted felony charge, Hmm. avoid prosecution or prison for arson or attempted arson, avoid giving testimony in any criminal trial to the above and any other crimes or escape from prison. Oh, so if you escape from prison, the, the marshals go after you. Very interesting. Along with the bounty hunters and the Texas Rangers. (laughs) (laughs) The people with the big hats, the people who used to be wrestlers, and these mysterious U.S. Marshals. I think this could be a great television show. (laughs) Is it like one bounty hunter, one U.S. Marshal, and one Texas Ranger who team up and become a crime fighting group yeah crime fighting unit (laughs) i love it and whenever they have to do something slightly illegal they make the bounty hunter do it Mm, yeah bounty hunters seem questionable at best (laughs) i hope we don't have a lot of bounty hunters in our audience we may be getting a lot of hate mail (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding they seem really cool to me actually yes yes they do So here's another question from two weeks ago at this point. Is there a charge for guilty by reason of insanity as opposed to not guilty by reason of insanity? Well, not charge, an outcome Hmm. of a trial. (laughs) Is that a charge? Yeah. Well, no, it's not a charge. It's a defense, I guess, when they're throwing the book at somebody and charging them with everything under the sun. But at the end, they can say, you can find this person guilty of first degree, second degree, or I guess guilty by, not guilty by reason of insanity. I talked to lawyerina. My guess was no, there is not a guilty by reason of insanity because the qualifier of insanity does not mean you didn't do it. But instead, it's a legal term that releases you from responsibility, at least jail time, not necessarily responsibility, but jail time for what you might have done due to your mental state and fundamental lack of understanding that what you did was wrong. So if you look up the legal code for this finding of Virginia, it's actually an acquittal 
resulting Mm. in temporary custody and evaluation. And you cannot be acquitted if you're found guilty. So basically, like you said, it's a defense. And as a result, the acquittee can be released to the custody of someone called the Commissioner of Behavioral Health and Developmental Services for evaluation. And these evaluations can be ongoing for years. It can be outpatient. It can be inpatient while they're in a mental health facility somewhere. Well, I remember when Ronald Reagan, our president at the time, was there was an assassination attempt and they arrested the person who had shot him and several other people. And I think he was found not guilty by reason of insanity. He was sent off to a mental institution where he stayed for many, many, many years. And then he started getting like weekend home visits and was finally released. And I think a lot of people had issues with that. I mean, they had him on television cameras. I think he confessed. So, I mean, he was obviously guilty. Didn't he recently get release release? Yes. I remember seeing it in the news. Well, because his parents lived in this area. So it was big news here. And I don't think the neighbors of the parents were very happy with the weekend visits and even less happy when he was finally deemed to be cured and was completely released. I think a lot of people had issues with the fact that he tried to kill the president and maybe you shouldn't get a pass on that at any time in your life. And I think he- Allegedly. I feel like I haven't said allegedly in a while. Just wanted <laughs> to say it. But it wasn't allegedly. <laughs> so anyway, I think he's tried to start a music career. He had been N- writing. Currently? Yes. How old is this person? <laughs> well, he's younger than I am. I think he's in his 60s, maybe. Not that you can't find your passion <laughs> at any age, but... Well, I think he had been writing music when he was in the mental institution. It was probably therapeutic. And I had read that he even tried to schedule a performance at a local bar or restaurant or something. And I think he got a lot of death threats or, you know, threats of violence. So he Maybe he should change his name. Uh, maybe, maybe. So he was not guilty by reason of insanity, but his life was still pretty much ruined. I think Gloria Arena told us one time that she defended somebody who was found not guilty by reason of insanity and they like never even went to a mental institution and were kind of declared. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, like I good to go. Like I said, according to the legal code, you can be released for outpatient evaluations. Which right, I think I think this you guy go home, right? And you I just have to was... see a you apparent you have to see a psychiatrist and a psychologist, and right. they have to do these evaluations on your current mental state. There are all of these, but they can recommend conditional release based on their findings at any point in time. Yeah, so I mean, as long as you're seeing somebody and getting mental health help, not everybody goes to a mental hospital. And then our very, very first case, your former childhood best friend, she was also found not guilty by Mm -hmm. reason of insanity, even though she confessed and everybody knows she did it. But there were a lot of extenuating circumstances. She has not been released, though, has she? She has. It's been mentioned in the pod. I guess I just forgot. I mean, we cover a lot of information. It's very easy to forget one tiny thing. That's like, I thought yesterday, is Elizabeth Taylor still alive? And I could not remember. She's you know not, that is, right? Well, yeah, I found out she died in 2011, like Wow, years well, that ago. was long ago, <laughs> enough ago, ago enough, <laughs> that you could just forget that that yeah. ever even happened for sure. It's a very <laughs> weird thing, the human mind. It is. So is she living locally or did they, Uh I guess sometimes they don't say where the person was released to. I mean, everybody knew where John Hinckley was because he went to his parents' house and so it was no big mystery. Mm -hmm. He didn't like change his name and move to Alaska. Wow. I wonder how old his parents were. I'm not sure either one of them are still alive. They, They were quite old. He just moved to their empty house. 
I guess they left it to him in the will, or maybe his mother was still alive when he got out. I can't remember how long ago that was. It feels like it was like five years ago, which probably means it was like 10. You mean when he Eight got out? to 10, of... when he got out. <laughs> I thought you were talking about when he shot President Reagan. <laughs> That was not Imagine five years if ago. that's how confused I was. <laughs> well, we have to move on. Past on to other. Childhood best friend and Ronald Reagan. And to John some Hinkley. other wild <laughs> yes. individuals. Last week we were talking about, I don't know. It's also some 33-year-old woman who met some young men in Walmart. And fell in love and oh my god, perpetrated <laughs> the murder of her husband and her stepson. Well, allegedly, I guess. Allegedly. And there is much more ground to cover. I think the last thing we had talked about last week was was. Oh, God. We were talking about the fact that the two men got life in prison, whereas this woman got two death sentences. And we were talking about the absolutely wild fact that the circuit court apparently found that these two men, after the killings, had committed aggravated batteries upon the victims and that they imputed those batteries onto this woman. I don't understand how shooting somebody seven or eight times with a shotgun is considered battery and not either murder or at the very least attempted murder. No, they got charged with murder. Oh, okay. But they were using this as support of her death sentence. Oh my God. Yeah, that's why I said the absolutely wild fact. <laughs> Wasn't she like downstairs playing solitaire and drinking gin Allegedly. while her husband and stepson were being murdered? Supposedly. So she didn't pull the trigger or anything? No. Probably wasn't even in the room. Okay. Okay. Nope. But she got two death sentences. Her boyfriends got life in prison each. And her daughter got five years in prison for conspiracy. Now, it's been a really long time maybe a year, over a year, since we've talked about capital murder. But right. remember these cases, well, not anymore, since we don't have capital murder anymore. But when we did, they went to an automatic appeal. And this case, of course, was no different. But her death sentences, I was going to say sentence, her death sentences were unanimously affirmed by the Supreme Court on March 5th, 2004. So a little under a year after she was sentenced. So this is not an appeal. This is just an automatic review because it was a death sentence. This isn't her saying. No, it's not her saying anything. But Okay, okay. So she still, even though these were affirmed, she can then go the next step and appeal on some some technicality. Yeah, and I'm not exactly, I'm not super clear on the details. Obviously, there was some course of action available to her and her legal team, which they took, but she pled guilty, remember? And usually when you plead guilty, you're waiving your right to appeal. So yeah. either there was something, some sort of deal with her guilty plea or... These are just other things that you don't waive the right to. I'm not 100% sure. Well, I think sometimes, let's say you plead guilty and you're sentenced and then you think, oh my God, what did I do? And a lot of times people use ineffectual counsel. They claim their lawyer was bad. Mm -hmm. We've had a couple of cases like that and, or they were given bad advice and, so, I mean, I guess she could file an appeal saying she didn't understand she was pleading guilty to murder. She thought she was getting a deal. Who, who knows? Yeah, I might. I might. I might throw it out there as a third episode. <laughs> Just a fraction of the 50 pages that I read through because there are a lot of oh interesting details God. in there. But 
It's and, so and much to keep straight in my brain if I wasn't planning on doing a deep, deep dive into that. So these 50 pages are actually from her appeal. Yeah, it's hazy. <laughs> it's hazy. But you don't think it's from just the general review, because I doubt. See, I, this is the thing. I don't think she could appeal in the classical sense of the word. So she did other things, like she did a petition for writ of habeas corpus. She did some other post-conviction proceedings. There were other Latin words in there, but I don't <laughs> think any of them were like an appeal to the Supreme Court or the circuit court in the city where she was found guilty. They were other things that were available to her as someone who pled guilty. But she was trying to have her sentence overturned. Yes. So one of the first things she did on April 30th, 2004, she petitioned the Supreme Court for a rehearing but they denied that petition, citing okay. the special heinous, heinousness, heinousness. That's a word, heinousness. Heinousness, yeah. The heinousity. The special <laughs> heinousity <laughs> of the murder and the fact that, quote, the defendant was the mastermind of the plan to kill her husband and stepson solely for greed and monetary gain. I can't say I disagree. I mean, this woman was heinous and what she came up with was heinous. I mean, to well, you know, we've talked about this before, what people are willing, you know, to take a life, like two lives are worth $25,000. Well, you know, I think it was $250,000, which might be the largest sum of money we've seen, maybe <laughs> other than your coworker. I, I mean, we've was... seen people, we've covered people who killed someone for like $5 out of a cash register. Oh, yeah. Don't remind me. But I don't think that person, that robbery was really his motive. If it was, he was very, he picked the worst people to rob. I mean, the least likely to have any money. Mm. But you're right. You're right. Yeah. If it was 250000 that that could set you it up was. pretty well. Okay. Sorry. Why did I think it was only 25? <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised oh. if it was 25. And plus, he, the husband also apparently had money in the bank. Because remember, she tried to forge check and get 50000 Or at least she account. thought he did. Who knows? Oh, true. It's interesting to me that in 2004, that she was not joint on her husband's bank accounts. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. They hadn't been married for that long. True. Maybe, maybe he just didn't get around to it. Yeah. Now, following the decision to deny her rehearing, she filed several other petitions, like I mentioned, and initiated other post-conviction proceedings with the Supreme Court. This would be the Supreme Court of Virginia, not... Yes the Supreme Court. Yeah. Now, one of the things she did was file a petition for writ of habeas corpus. This was like the third thing that she did, but this was an important one. So I wrote it down. I think Lawyerina explained habeas corpus to us once. It's like, show me the body or give no, me the body. No, it's you don't have the right to hold my body. Oh, let go of my body. Get your hands yeah. off my Get body. Get off my body. <laughs> This <laughs> petition was 112 pages long. Wow. The court didn't even look at it. They simply <laughs> responded, absolutely not. Cut this down to 50 pages. We want the Cliff's notes. Shorten this bitch up or we're not going to look at it. Well, this had to have been written by a lawyer. I'm assuming she didn't write the 100. No, I don't think these people do these things themselves. Yeah, but you'd think the lawyer would know better than to write some massive, overwhelming thing and know that the Supreme Court was going to say, mm, not only no, but hell no. We've I got guess a lot of things. I guess they really were trying to prove their point. I guess. Much of this 112-page document claimed 
in different ways that the woman had ineffective assistance of counsel. That's but a, what I was saying. Mm-hmm. So I wonder who's writing this appeal for her. She had Certainly. a new legal team by now. Ah, right. Yeah. Of course. Almost because always. The, other, the guys who defended her the first time are not going to write something right. saying we were incompetent. So now she's got a new bunch. Yeah. No lawyer's going to really be out there like, oh, I fucked up. I don't think you might not even be allowed. I don't know if you're even allowed to. I don't know. It wouldn't be something you could brag about or put on your business cards. (laughs) I was accused of incompetence and ineffect. What is it? Ineffective. Ineffective assistance of counsel. Right. Hire me. No. <laughs> now, I got my client the death penalty. <laughs> oh, no. This document also, which she did whittle down to 50 pages, by the way, claim that things aren't always as they seem yeah, and right. that a lot of additional evidence had come into the picture since she was convicted and sentenced. Let me guess. It involves aliens and witches. (laughs) No. Okay. I don't remember any aliens or witches. I'm just trying to imagine what kind of new evidence was discovered. You don't have to imagine. Oh, she's going to tell tell you some of it. All (laughs) right. Here, Here are a couple of those new pieces of evidence. Ooh. In August 2003, the older of her former lovers wrote a letter from prison to a friend, an ex-girlfriend actually, saying, quote, I met her at the Walmart. From the moment I met her, I knew she was someone who could be easily manipulated. Killing her husband and stepson was entirely my idea. I needed money and she was an easy target. He also said that the only reason he ever had sex with her was to quote get her to fall in love with me so she would give me the insurance money golly maybe he was planning to marry her and then knock her off he seems terrible can't believe he really wrote that why would he I mean, Ah. it's not going to lessen his sentence. No, I don't think. Maybe he felt sorry for her and thought, well, I could, maybe if I say this, it's not going to help me, but I can get her off the death penalty. Maybe, maybe he thought he was saying it in confidence to a friend. Maybe he didn't think it would ever become sort of public information. Or maybe he was saying it to this person that he was corresponding with was an ex I feel like maybe he was just talking a big game. I kind of think maybe, I don't know. We'll never know, but I think he was maybe trying to help her get out of the death sentence. Maybe. There was apparently also some information. There was a private investigator working and doing interviews at one point in time. And this private investigator actually claimed that he had a signed affidavit from this man confessing all of that like in a formal capacity that he was the ringleader it was his idea but apparently after writing and signing the affidavit he changed his mind and ripped up and chewed up the signed portions of the form i wonder if he used to eat his own homework (laughs) and blame it on the dog my strange addiction (laughs) the reason the reason he wanted the money by the way His brother had offered him drugs for cheap, and with this little nest egg, he apparently was going to get into drug dealing in the big city, the Big Apple. That was his dream. He's going to move to New York from some podunk town in Virginia and think he was going to be a big-time drug dealer? I don't know if he thought he would be a big-time, but maybe he thought he would work his way up the corporate ladder. (laughs) <laughs> He'd have been shot between the eyes. The first, what are you doing on my corner, bro? Boom. <laughs> he also said that he was going to be a bodyguard for mobsters of some sort. Oh, yeah. Because uh-huh. they're always looking for dunks from. <laughs> Don't you have to be Italian to be a bodyguard? Oh, for I don't know if it, were, it was mobsters specifically. <laughs> some sort of. Gang people. Cool. It was all just part of the job. 
It was just part of what had to be done to get the money, he said, of the relationship. And I guess he could have some street cred up there. Yeah, I killed two people. I'm bad. Well, whatever his plan was or the goal of any of these communications were, no one knows because unfortunately he died by suicide in 2006, Mm -hmm. which meant that her defense team was unable to use the letter as evidence. Wow. Just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would commit suicide. Maybe it was a mob hit. (laughs) they're like this is for those drugs you were planning on selling on our corner (laughs) well you know a lot of people get taken out in prison for one reason or another another piece of evidence that emerged later in 2010 on august 12th the younger of the two gunmen said in a sworn affidavit that The older guy, his former roommate, came up with the plan to kill their girlfriend's husband. And that everyone knew that she wasn't very smart and that his former roommate was the dominant one in the relationship. They did do a kind of an IQ assessment on her. Yeah, she wasn't very smart. And in addition to that work indicating she had a relatively low IQ, she was also diagnosed with dependent personality disorder, which is a mental health condition that involves an excessive need to be taken care of by others. And of course, not brought into evidence at the time when she was initially convicted was the fact that she was addicted to pain medications, which many of her supporters have argued clouded her judgment. I suppose it could. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm seeing the scale tip slightly in her favor. Maybe life imprisonment, but mm-hmm. she, she had a lot of... Well, once again, when I think about your childhood best friend, a lot of those kinds of things were brought in as mitigating circumstances, you mm-hmm. know, childhood trauma and drug use and mm-hmm. sexual abuse and all that stuff really helped her and in this case this poor woman they just didn't give her any any breaks no even though she was apparently a model death row inmate she was the only woman on death row and she couldn't be held with the men so she actually was imprisoned at a a women's prison in isolation she spent her time singing and praying with other inmates often through the vents I mean, I don't know why she had to be in an isolation. It's not like she's going to run through the prison killing people. I mean, that yeah, I seems cruel and unusual. She spent a lot of her time counseling other women and offering them guidance and comfort. But she never claimed to be innocent. During a religious service at the correctional center where she was held, at one point she said, quote, The night of my crime, I had Jesus telling me not to let this happen and the devil telling me to do it. Well, stupid me chose Satan's way. Mm. Ultimately, by March 6, 2009, the defendant's last option for rehearing was denied after a thorough review of this 16.50 page writ of habeas corpus. So all that work... Submitting it as 112 pages and whittling it down to 50 was all for nothing. I wonder if her daughter ever visited her in prison because her daughter would have gotten out after what, about five or six years? Or maybe maybe she was pretty mad at her mom dragging her into that. Yeah, she wasn't. I wondered about that a lot while I was researching this. She wasn't mentioned among the individuals who were there at the end. Hmm. But maybe she just wasn't individually called out. All said, she spent nearly 10 years in a six by eight prison cell, largely alone. She became a beloved fixture, a guide, a religious comfort. She did a lot of reflection on her life, Mm. a life her dad described as chaotic. In an interview, he said she ran off to get married. We know about that one when she was 16. Then later abandoned her children and ran off with her sister's husband. 
Then she had an affair with her sister's fiance while at the same time having an affair with another man. So chaotic. Sounds like. And she herself described her life at the time by saying, quote, I was doing drugs, stealing, lying, and having several affairs during my marriages. I went to church every Sunday, Friday, and revivals, but guess what? I didn't open my Bible at home, only when I was at church. And that quote was from a religious service at the correctional center where she was being held. From the beginning, as we know, her legal team moved for anything they could, all kinds of different petitions stating that her original defense was bungled, that this new evidence indicated she didn't have the mental capacity to plan a double murder for hire. And this one in particular, I agree with that there was a gross disparity in punishment between their client and the men who actually pulled the triggers. Oh, I agree. I mean, that's, that's absurd. Yeah. Though I think sometimes there is something about planning the death of somebody. Like if you hire somebody to kill your spouse and you're not even there, you're on right. You still get Mexico, charged with murder. Yeah, that's still considered first degree murder, mm-hmm. even though you were not there. You didn't pull the trigger. But the murderer should also get the same sentence. But I think that, like I said, it's been a long time since we've discussed capital murder, so Mm -hmm. it's hazy at best. But if I recall, you could not be, there were qualifiers which must be met. She killed, air quotes, killed two people within X amount of time. I think it's three months or something like that. That used to be a capital murder murder. She planned and executed, although she didn't pull the trigger, the murder of two individuals. Murder for hire was also, I think, a capital murder type of murder. But these gentlemen each only killed one person. Uh, So I don't think they ever could have been charged with capital murder. Like I said, it's been a while since we looked into deeply what capital murder is. Go back and listen to those episodes (laughs) we talked about last week. I think they're in the late teens somewhere, early 20s, but... I so guess whether I or get not that, that should she have was been charged the law, with right, she was charged like, with killing two people. They were each only charged with killing one. Yep. Which is, I don't know. I think a fine line of distinction, if you ask right, me. Right. Whether or not it should have been, and it's kind of the same, like where we didn't really agree with the boyfriend and the girlfriend, where she basically, it seems kind of very similar to this, masterminded the whole thing and convinced her poor boyfriend to kill her parents. And she was 14 or 15 or whatever. And so she went to jail until she was 21 because she was tried as a juvenile, but he was tried as an adult and he was executed. That was a travesty. Like this is kind of similar, but Well, the difference being that he was all of like 17 and- right you know, was Twitter pated with this girl and couldn't think straight. But if you look at this woman, though she's a grown up, she's also not an intellectual mastermind. She's a drug addict, painkillers. I mean, there's a lot of mitigating circumstances, just like they were with that kid, but they didn't buy it. Well, on August 25th, 2010, her legal team gave it one last try and filed a petition for clemency. The U.S. Supreme Court refused to intervene, with only two of three women on the nine-judge court voting to halt the execution. More than 7,300 appeals were made to the governor at the time. Even other countries were getting involved. The European Union penned a letter to the governor stating that the European Union, quote, considers the execution of people with mental disorders of all types is contrary to minimum standards of human rights. Who was the governor at the time? Bob McDonnell. I was wondering who it was because always the last ditch effort is hoping that when the 11th hour that the governor will call it off and give you clemency and 
change your sentence to life in prison, but well, despite all that. Yeah, he said, on the other hand, that he reviewed the medical and psychological reports and that there were no compelling reasons to grant clemency. He also noted that she had admitted to her role in the killings. He further stated that no medical professional concluded that the woman met the medical or statutory definition of intellectually disabled. Hmm. On September 21st, 2010, the Supreme Court refused to hear her final appeal. Wow. And on September 23rd, 2010, whether she was deceived by her younger lover or was the mastermind behind her husband and stepson's murders, she died by lethal injection at 9.13 p.m. In the days leading up to her execution, she spent her time praying and singing hymns and receiving comfort from her spiritual guiders. Her last meal was two fried chicken breasts and peas with butter and a Dr. Pepper. She also requested a piece of either German cake or apple pie. Dr. She... Pepper? <laughs> oh, Dr. Pepper's the best. Get out of here. Okay. What would your last meal be? Oh, I don't know. I always think it must be really hard to eat that meal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, you're going to be dead soon. I mean, wouldn't you be kind of like, I wonder how many people actually eat it. It's your last meal. Probably only the true (laughs) sociopaths. Psychopaths. Maybe if you're guilty and you figure, well, they got me. I'm going to enjoy this last meal. My last meal would include apple pie. And a ton of vanilla ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know what the most outlandish request ever has been. I don't know. I'm going to put it on the wall. Let's see. Outlandish (laughs) last meal. (laughs) I don't know why. I know I've said this before in our other capital murder cases, but I find people's last meals. I don't know. Bad? (sighs) I don't know. I have some sort of morbid curiosity about people's last meals. I don't think you can like ask for, I I don't know. I'm sure they have a limit. I think you can. I think you can ask for anything. They might not necessarily be able to fulfill it, but if they can, they will from what I've read before. So you could ask for escargot and lobster. For sure. People have asked for like McDonald's, Big Mac. (laughs) And uh, let's see, what is that dessert? Baked Alaska. (laughs) I don't think they'd let you do that one because they have to set it on fire. Oh, I wish the baked Alaska was some sort of like elaborate escape plan. It could be. It could be. (laughs) Okay. So she got her last meal and took the last walk. As she entered the death chamber, she appeared frightened and tense, but her attorney said, She was peaceful in her final moments. Mm. After she was strapped to the gurney, she asked if her stepdaughter was near. And she was in the adjacent witness room, blocked with a two-way mirror. She told the woman that she loved her and that she was very sorry. And she said her final goodbyes. Mm. For her part, her stepdaughter said that she believes in redemption, but cannot say one way or another if her dad's killer will find it. Mm. She also once said that just because her stepmother didn't pull the triggers didn't mean she wasn't guilty. I certainly think she's guilty, but what I really have trouble with is the fact that the guys were given a lesser sentence. And I do think there were some mitigating circumstances. I think she was not a very bright person, easily probably led by people who showed an interest in her or something. Yeah, and her legal team and her chaplain at the correctional center and fellow inmates and the mental health professionals that worked with her, they all said there was a lot of good that she could have done, that she was already doing for herself and for her community in prison. And they thought that it really was a a loss. Not that she was innocent, not that, they sh- that she should have been out going to Walmart 
picking up more <laughs> boyfriends, but that her life had meaning and it had purpose and that she still had a lot of good work to be done. Yeah, I mean, she obviously felt remorse and tried to turn her life around. As the drugs flowed through her system, the 41-year-old grandmother's feet bobbed slightly, but she otherwise laid motionless as she passed away. Her lawyer said, quote, Tonight, the death machine exterminated the beautiful, childlike, and loving spirit of my client. She was very peaceful. Before she entered the death chamber, we thought that we were supposed to be helping her while she was actually helping us. He talked a lot about the days leading to her death, during which she laughed, sang, and prayed. Yep, pretty sad. It is sad. I wonder what happened to the younger fellow. He's still in jail. wonder if he's really going to serve a life sentence. I, yeah. I mean, right? That's how it is (laughs) in Virginia. He can get... That's how how it is now. No, that's how it was in 2000. Oh, okay. If you got a... a We were a non-parole state already, I think, in 2000. I thought I think I, that happened in the 80s or the 90s. Yeah, I don't know. But remember. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I I think that means that he has to serve what he has to serve like 85% of his sentence at least or no, he can only there are a few kinds of parole he could maybe get like geriatric parole. Well, god, wasn't he like 19? Yeah. He he got a long way to go. Got a long way to go. Before he hits geriatric. Poor guy. Well, Mm, no, no, not maybe not. It's hard not to feel bad for these people because I think they just all have so much trauma and they're all so unhealed. Yeah. Go to therapy, everyone. (laughs) Go to therapy. Remember when we had your friend on who was a counselor? Yeah. And she talked about, I don't remember now what she called them, but it's like these triggers. Yeah. From childhood from childhood and i i just think it's terrible that we have so much of that and so many children being unloved being beaten being sexually abused taking drugs when they're in high school and their lives are over before they hardly even start it's very Hmm. sad life is sad it's sad these are the kinds of things we need to put on the wall that life is sad what were those childhood experiences (laughs) Mm. so that we can actually say them instead of just sitting here being like uh 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 uh." well you're the host you'll have to go back to that episode and and (laughs) or maybe you can just email your friend and say hey what were those another thing that would be interesting to find out is if before the death penalty was gotten rid of if any Virginia governors did grant clemency to anybody on death row. That would be interesting to look into. I think so. Don't you? Mm. You don't think anyone was ever granted clemency? Maybe not before they got rid of capital punishment. In the end, a lot of people were basically having their sentences commuted to life. Yeah, I don't know about like throughout the course of capital punishment, how many people actually got stepped down. I feel like the governors are always kind of between a rock and a hard place because if they grant somebody clemency, they're going to piss off one group of voters. And right. when if they don't grant them clemency, they're going to piss off another. Things that should not be political. True. Human But rights. politicians are political. Ew. On the other hand, you can't run for re-election as a governor of Virginia, so do what you want. Do what you want. want. It's not like you're going to get get re-elected. But it's funny, you think about a lot of people who, God, spend years on death row. They used to, some of them would spend 20 years on Mm -hmm. death row. And, you know, they mature. They've had a chance to reflect on their stupid youth and what they did. And if they only knew then what they know now, Mm -hmm. 
It's probably one of the reasons you shouldn't let people linger on death row. If you're going to execute people, you should do it while the passions are high and before they have a chance to turn their life around and have everybody. You have to have enough time to read a 112 page (laughs) writ of habeas corpus petition, among other petitions that I didn't write down the name of. So that takes time. That's true. That is true. And as you said, if you get the death penalty, it's an automatic review, and all that takes time. It's sad. It's sad. But even though life is sad, we have dogs. Yes. <laughs> but we don't eating get to our keep home- them. Uh, eat our sad. homework and our duvet covers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Hope your drive home went well. Enjoy your turkey. Enjoy your dry ass turkey. (laughs) You turkey murderers. That's my new podcast. (laughs) The the turkey you murdered. (laughs) Yes. I hope some of y'all are enjoying some tofurkey. Tofurkey. It's good. You can make your own. Satan, roll it up with some stuffing, Satan. some cranberry, exactly what mushroom gravy. About, hope you enjoy whatever. Hallmark mm-hmm. movies, board games. And then the next week we'll be back to hanging out by yourself. Thursday. Thursday. Your family's a mess. <laughs> Day off of work, day on work, whatever you're doing tomorrow. (sighs) Hope it's great. Hope it's great. And yeah, sorry to interrupt. Hug your dog. That too. And I I interrupted mom saying, yes, next week we'll be back to our regularly scheduled Thursday. Thursday. Thursday, 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bio, bio, and we'll <laughs> see you soon. Sometime next Thursday. Goodbye. Goodbye.